Hello, Gateway family and guests who are joining us online. Thank you so much for taking part in our worship service this morning. Uh, this is usually the time in which I get to say good morning, and uh, I hear you all audibly say good morning back to me. And then shortly after that, I would tell you to open your Bibles, and then I would hear all the pages turn. I miss that too. I miss the opportunity to hear all of your voices as we join together in corporate worship. Uh, I miss seeing your radiant faces, and I hope and I pray that we can get together very soon. But I do want to thank you for letting us into your home whether you are tuning in alone or with your family or with a group of close friends, uh, we are so delighted that you are taking part in worship with us this morning. Uh, before we dive into our text, I want to make sure that we're on the same page as a church family, that uh, you're aware of the most up-to-date information. So I want to draw your attention to a new web page uh, that we recently developed, gatewaycrc.org forward slash COVID. Um, we have some information there that we would love for you to take a look at. If you haven't seen it yet, please read through that. Um, that's also going to be the landing page for a lot of the resources that we want to put in your hands in the days and the weeks and perhaps even in the months ahead. It gives an explanation as to uh, why we're gathering together online um, rather than in person, but also there's a lot of resources there that, that we want you to take a look at when you have time. And even though we can't meet together in person right now, that does not mean we're going to stop doing life together as a church. In fact, our hope is that we can take that to the next level as we move forward. Uh, physical contact might be out, but we're going to try and think of new creative ways to be in each other's lives in the days and the weeks to come. So just a couple of things that we want to highlight to you, a couple of the questions that we've been wrestling with uh, as leadership, as staff, and as council, a couple of the big questions we've been thinking about. Now here's the first one we've been thinking about in terms of spiritual and relational care. How do we maintain our commitment for Gateway to be a place where people are loved, people are known, and accounted for? If you're a member of the Gateway family, you've heard me talk about this before. We want to make sure that during this time, no one falls through the cracks. And so we've mobilized a little over 40 people, uh, our elders and our care team members and our life group leaders. They're going to be reaching out to you in the weeks to come. They're going to be uh, offering up phone calls, just seeing how you're doing, offering to pray for you. Please receive those calls. Pray with them. Uh, we want to see how you're doing, making sure that no one falls through the cracks. The second question that we've been wrestling with has to do with the concept of community. And the question is this, how can we stay connected when physical interaction is, of course, limited? And so we have information on our webpage about uh, children's ministries and resources for you, uh, resources for families. Uh, we also have a guide for uh, how you as a family can be worshiping together in your home. Uh, we are also going to provide resources for you on how we're going to do kids church and gems and cadets and youth group and what that's going to look like on the online world. So all those resources are going to be found on that page. Take a look at those as well. 
The third question that we've really been wrestling with has a lot to do with the sermon series that we just finished last week. What does it look like for us to be the city on a hill? So the question that we've been asking is, how will we spread God's love across Abbotsford during this unprecedented time? And I just wanna stop right here for a moment and and cast a vision for you. Uh, Go back in time with me to 249 AD, and at this time, the world is facing uh, the worst pandemic the world had ever experienced up to that point. And people are afraid, they are living in fear, they are panicking, they're in self-preservation mode, and especially in the large cities where it was the worst, people are fleeing the cities. They're, They're even leaving close friends and even family members behind in order to save themselves. And and it's well documented that at that time, Christians were going into the city in order to care for the sick. Ten years after this pandemic had hit and, and everything had kind of settled down, Dionysius wrote this. He said, Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. And he goes on to say, For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. And then you fast forward a hundred years and the Christian faith is is growing on account of the Christian witness and then there is an emperor, his name is Julian and he detests the Christian church and everything it stands for and yet he writes this, he says, do we not observe how the benevolence of Christians to random strangers has done the most to advance their cause? It is disgraceful that the Christians support not only their poor, but ours as well, while everyone is able to see that our own people lack aid from us. That's our history as as a body of Christ, as the church, which means this is our moment. Now, I don't, I don't want to suggest that either of these two historical events are precisely what we're dealing with today, and I also want to be very clear that for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are older in age, or for uh, our family members who have medical conditions that make them more at risk, my strong encouragement to you is to stay home and to stay safe. Uh, But for our younger brothers and sisters, I want to strongly encourage you to take a posture of, of thinking and praying about how we can be the city on the hill, how we can be reaching out to our neighbors, how we can be caring for the marginalized within our community during this unprecedented time. Let me just give you an example of what this might look like and and something that we're trying to do as a church. Pastor Marcel and I, just this past week, uh, we were talking with Matt Lewin, and he is the director of Archway Community Food Bank. And he shared with me that almost his entire volunteer team comprises of men and women who are retirement age and older. And so very wisely, he has told them, stay home, stay safe. But also, during this time, the needs are greater than they ever have been before. So they have supplies, they're in a a good position financially, they have what they need there. You could say that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
And so they are looking for able bodies to help bring food to where it's needed, resources where they are needed. And so I just kind of want to reach through the TV screen or the computer screen, wherever you are, and to say, if you are willing to support Here's what you can do. We want to encourage you to go to our office email, office at gatewaycrc.org, and in the title, simply write, I want to help. And then we'll reach out to you later this week, and we'll let you know what that looks like. Uh, In all likelihood, it's going to be driving supplies to people's homes who are homebound or who are self-isolating, who need hygiene products or groceries, um, and we'll put you in the right direction to help meet those needs. So that's an example of what we're doing as a church, but then there's also some things that you can be doing individually in your home, perhaps if you have children, even with your kids. Uh, So if you look on our website, on the COVID page, there's a couple example resources. Let me just uh, put two in your mind right now. The first one is we have an example thank you card and cards like that that you can uh, print off and write out to our first responders, doctors, nurses, staff, uh, the mayor and his council, uh, also those who are in elderly homes and who are shut in and uh, who are in self-isolation mode, perhaps at this time feeling very isolated. You can print off these cards, write a note, write a scripture passage, and then what you can do We have instructions on where you can mail those or you can bring them here to the church and we will bring them to the appropriate place. Also, we have a flyer online that you can fill out and you can put under the the mat of your neighbor's house, uh, just highlighting to them if, if they have any needs that you're there, you're praying for them and that you would like to meet those needs for them. So there are things that we can be doing Uh, to be that light in a desperate world. I also want to point out at the very bottom of our page, uh, we have a place where you can give online. We as a church, we want to continue to engage in ministry across the city, and so we need your support to help us in that. So let me encourage you to keep giving. You can do so online by going to gatewaycrc.org forward slash donate, or good old-fashioned snail mail always works as well, and you can send it to the church. We depend on your generous giving in order to keep this ministry going. Additionally, this week we are going to start a new prayer initiative. Uh, We're going to do this on Facebook Live on our Gateway CRC Facebook page every weekday at noon. So if you want to join us in that, we're going to just do a very brief devotion. We're going to be praying together. You can write your prayer requests in the column below in the comments. And even if you can't be there live, you can interact with it later and add your your prayers, your petitions uh, to the entire community. And we can be praying for each other in that way. Finally, to the Gateway family, let me once again enter through the TV screen, the computer screen, and, and tell you that you are not alone. You are not alone. If you are feeling isolated or lonely, we have people who are willing to call you, uh, pastors, elders, care team members, they, they want to call you. 
Uh, if you are self-isolating and you need very practical items like groceries or hygiene products, uh, we're developing a team that can help meet those needs. Uh, if you've been laid off from work and you're worried about making ends meet, uh, worried about putting food on the table, we have a benevolence team. Uh, we want to be the church, especially during this time, so know that you are not alone. We will continue being the church for each other. That finally leads us to God's word this morning, but before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we dive into your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would be with us, that you would guide and direct us by your word and spirit, that if we are feeling anxious, if we are feeling tired, that we would be willing to lay those things down to you, that we would give them over to you, knowing that you are sovereign and in control. So be with us during this sacred time as we open up your word. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open them to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. I can't hear the pages turn, but I'm going to trust that you're going there with me. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Most of you know that we've been planning on doing uh, an extended I Am series on the I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John, but given where we are as a church, as a community, as a human race, uh, we decided that we're just going to put pause on that, hopefully for just a short time, and we're going to address where we are really a as a human race. Um, and so I want to speak a word of comfort to you directly from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of, of news reports, in the midst of press conferences, in the midst of the latest updates and the social media feed with every passing day, I know for me, I have felt more and more anxious, more and more weary, more and more tired, more and more helpless. And maybe, maybe you've been feeling that way too. And for me, I know it's partly that because I have been frantically running on my own strength. I've been asking questions like, what can I do? How can I help? How can we take part in, in what other agencies are doing? How can we help and not hinder? And just going a mile a minute thinking about what can we do? And all the while recognizing only, only afterwards that I have been running on my own strength. And I came home on Wednesday night and Julie looked into my eyes and she could tell that I wasn't just tired, but, but I was weary. I was weary. And over the course of the last couple of days, I've had enough conversations with uh, members of council, members of staff, uh, leaders of parachurch organizations and agencies, and I've been able to see the weariness in other people's eyes and I get a sense that we're all kind of in that place. We're all feeling very weary. And so in the course of the last couple of days, I have been eager to pray. I have been eager to get down on my knees. I've been eager to read scripture. I've been eager to enter into God's presence and to give him my wearies, to give him my anxiety, to give him my sorrow because it has been so overbearing. And on Wednesday night, I was reminded of a passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 12 that says this, 
Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a good word makes it glad. Anxiety weighs down the heart, and that's how I've been feeling, but a good word makes it glad. That was music to my soul this week. On Wednesday night, when I was in my bed reading this passage, I, I was just overwhelmed with peace and recognizing that the good word of Jesus does make me glad. I realized just how anxious I'd become, and I saw anxiety all around me, just a, a heaviness all around and, and we already have a very anxious generation. Statistics clearly show us that we are the most anxious generation in recorded history. We're anxious about finances, about our economy, anxious about our future, anxious about where we're going to go to school or get into college. We're, we're anxious about what the future may bring. We're anxious about social dynamics, peer pressure, whether I'm going to fit in. Uh, do I have the right job? Am I going to find the right person? I'm worried about my kids. We are so anxious. And then you add on to that the capital P word, pandemic, and we are so incredibly incredibly anxious and while anxiety wears down the heart a good word makes it glad and I want to give you a good word this morning not my word but God's word and to help make sure that you're hearing the word of the Lord and and not the word of Justin keep your Bibles open we're going to walk through that together we're going to start at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. These words. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Three times Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And very clearly, Jesus desires for us to be totally free from the worry in this world. But, but I, I think it's also important for us to have a proper definition of what Jesus is talking about here because we might have an idea in our mind of what Jesus is saying, but it, it might be very different than what Jesus intends. Uh, a few years ago, Time Magazine wrote an article stating that worry and anxiety is the most prevailing, quote-unquote, quality of our modern culture. 
people are three times as likely to be anxious today than they were 30 years ago. Just think about that. We are incredibly anxious. We already have very high levels of anxiety and stress and worry, feelings of tension and worried thoughts and even physical changes. Let me just highlight some of these to you. High blood pressure, states of uneasiness, panic attacks, irritability, sweating, unusual mood swings, exhaustion, nausea, weight gain, weight loss, insomnia, the list that goes on and on and on. You know, one way to to kind of describe it is it's kind of like we have the Jaws theme song in the back of our mind, like all day, every day, and we're just looking around for the fin. We're we're so incredibly anxious, thinking about when is the ball going to drop? And it's not like we're just emotional or or having psychological stress, but, but it's physical stress too. But we also have to be careful here because some members of our faith family or people tuning in online who have clinical anxiety or clinical depression, they hear Jesus say, do not worry three times nonetheless, and and you might be asking yourself the question, have I done something wrong to have clinical anxiety? Or or even uh, making it a little bit extra confusing, there are passages in Scripture that clearly state, or it feels like it states almost the opposite of what Jesus says in this passage. So let me give you an example of this where Scripture tells us that we ought to be worried and then in other places where it says you ought not to be worried. So let's start with the do worry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 says, there should be no division in the body, but all parts should have equal concern, that's the Greek word merimno, the Greek word worry for one another. But then we find elsewhere in scripture places where it says do not be worried. Philippians 4 verse 4. Do not be merimno, do not be anxious about anything. Or Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. Do not merimno, do not worry. Verse 31, verse 34. Do not worry, do not worry. And so it's almost like we're getting two competing messages. So what is Jesus trying to communicate to us through this message when he says, do not worry? The Greek word merimno, it literally means to divide or to distract. So please note that that we're not talking about clinical anxiety here, about clinical depression or anything like that. Jesus, he's not speaking to us like a psychologist He's not talking to us uh, in a cold, matter-of-fact way, saying, stop being worried, buck up, son. He's not saying anything like that. He's, He's talking to us like a pastor. He's talking to us like a shepherd in the way that he tends to his sheep. That's the image that we should have in our mind. If you look back in your Bible, you can see that Jesus, he just finished talking about how we ought to have an eternal perspective, to not be concerned about the things of this world, but to put our treasure, to put our life, to put our hope in things that are eternal and not putting our hope in, in things that are temporary and will, will fade away. So that's the context just before Jesus says these words. And so in your note sheet, this is the definition that I gave of worry or anxiety. I put it this way. When we carry our concerns in such a way 
that we lose perspective on two things, on the sovereignty of God and on the love of God. You see, it's important that we ought to be concerned for things in this world. We ought to be concerned for one another. We ought to share concern for our neighbors. But by the same token, we ought not have such an overwhelming concern that we lose perspective on who's in control. That who's holding the world in their hands? So there's, there's two elements here, two arguments that Jesus is using on the character of God. So the first is to say that Jesus, that our, our Lord and God is sovereign, is to say he is in complete control. He is meticulous in his planning. Even a pandemic falls under the scope of God's control and his sovereignty. He hasn't been surprised in any way. And then the second thing that we see here is the element of the love of God, the character of God, the trustworthiness of God. And typically, the dominoes fall together. The the time when we begin to doubt the sovereignty of God and, and the trustworthiness of God is when we look around us and we begin to wonder to ourselves, God, where are you? How could you allow this to happen? I don't I see your plan in all of this. How can this be part of your plan? What are you up to? And if you're looking for an answer from me, the, the only answer that I can give you is, is I don't know. I don't know. But one thing that I do know is that God is sovereign. He is in control. And he can be trusted See, God, he doesn't author evil, he doesn't author suffering, he doesn't author pain, he doesn't author affliction, but he will work through it in such a way that he will bring about his kingdom purposes. And there may even come a time when we look through the the rearview mirror and we say, I see where God has been at work. I I couldn't see it in the moment, but, but now I see. But at this moment right now, all we have to do is put our trust in God and to recognize that he is still in control in the midst of our circumstances. So in the midst of all of that, what does Jesus say? I want to share a couple things with you. The first one that Jesus says is this, and this is straight out of verse 25. Your life is about more than what the world can give. He mentions three things, right? Food, drink, and clothes. And and they're not frivolous things, are there? These are basic, fundamental, intrinsic human needs. They're not wants, they're needs. Jesus, he doesn't say, don't be worried about the type of car that you drive or the number of friends that you have on social media. No, he goes straight to the very basic needs that we have, every single one of us. And still he has the audacity to say, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about the, the food and where it's going to come from or, or the drink that you need to have or the clothes that you need to have. Even the most intrinsic basic needs. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we're told that Abraham did not rest his heart on things like his land or his wealth or his status or any of the, the material things that he possessed. Instead, Scripture says this, He looked forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. 
And then again in chapter 12 of the same book, we're told that the city was a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the new heavens and the new earth. So do do we see what scripture is saying here? Nothing in this world can give you a solid foundation. Nothing in this world will last. All of it will pass away. All of it is fleeting. All of it is temporary. That is why Christians are able to be so hope-filled in the midst of of a pandemic. And and that might be the reason why so many non-Christians are so hopeless because they look at the world around them, everything feeling like it's it's falling apart, and and they say, what's going to happen? There's no control. They see how frail and fragile our human life actually is. It's fleeting. And I think every single one of us, we want something that will last. Something that will stand the test of time. Something that can't be shaken. And the gospel highlights to us that that our lives are more than, than anything the world can give us. We can have confidence in this life that even in the midst of a pandemic, we know that God is in control. And we know this, the second point in your note sheet, God eternally values you. Let me just read again verse 26. If your Bibles are open, turn there with me. Chapter 6, verse 26. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then look down to verse 30. He says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and then tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? See, Jesus, he he wants us to gather some perspective here. He wants us to stop and think about the character of God, and so he gives us an example of birds. God is constantly in the business of supplying the needs of sparrows, And they're not made in the image and likeness of God. They're not the crown of creation. Jesus didn't die for the salvation of birds. So how much more you, the the crown of creation, who, who God died for you and he loves you, how much more will he take care of you? Oh, you of little faith. See, there's there's no worried birds right now, are there? No birds frantically watching the news. There's no birds scrolling through social media feed trying to get all the latest updates. Why not? Because they know something, perhaps even more than than we know, that all their needs will be provided for. And Jesus, he, he takes it a step further. He says, are you not much more valuable than they? Much more valuable than than Birds? And the obvious answer, of course, is yes. Of course I am. We know that intrinsically, whether you're a Christian or not, you know that human beings are much more valuable than birds. But we take it a step further and we recognize that that we are infinitely precious to God. See, the gospel in a nutshell is this. While the world says we need Clark Kent to become Superman in order to save the world. The gospel message is this. Superman needs to become Clark Kent. 
Jesus Christ, the, the creator of the Lord, who is sovereign over all things, who knit you together in your mother's womb, he comes from heaven down to earth. He stoops down. He puts on flesh. He dwells among us. He goes to the cross, scorning its shame, so that we can be set free, so that we can be reunited with the Father, so that we can be with him for the rest of eternity. You are infinitely precious to God he's already proven that through the cross he eternally values you and Jesus he says your father already knows what you need and it's like you kind of start having this argument with yourself in your own heart right it's, it's like you're saying listen heart you know these things you know Christian that that God loves you he eternally loves you Jesus Christ died for you and yet we need that constant reminder because very quickly we forget very quickly we we wander off and we think oh, everything needs to be under my control I need to be the master of my own domain I need to take care of things and a pandemic strikes and we realize just how out of control we really are. How frail and fragile our lives are. But in that moment, we realize that my life is more than my material needs and that God eternally values me. The next note that he gives us is from verse 27. He says, worrying is fruitless. It is totally and completely fruitless. Look at verse 27 again. It says, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to their lives? See, Jesus, he just gave you the heart argument. Now he's going to give you the brain argument, the, the, the rational argument. Can you add a single hour to your life by worrying? Can you change anything by worrying? Jesus says, Of, of course not. You're not the one who is in control. I'm in control. Can you change things by worrying? Can you add an hour to your life? And, and, and this is perhaps where this is going to pinch a little bit. Jesus is actually a little more stern with Christians than he is even with non-Christians. You see, for those of you who don't follow Jesus, it makes perfect sense why you're worrying. It makes perfect sense why you're feeling hopeless because you're suddenly realizing just how, how frail and fragile things in this world actually are. But for those of us who have a sure and certain hope of things that have yet to come, of eternal things, of eternal glory, why is it that we worry? Look again at verse 31 and 32. He says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows already that you need them. See, for, for the Christian who knows the Lord and his faithfulness, if you know his greatness and his goodness and his mercy, and, and you know that he values you as his child, then you have, you have no reason to be worried. You recognize in that moment that, that God is in control. What, what's that song that we sing to our kids? He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 Do we believe it? Do we believe it? The next thing that Jesus says 
is this. God already knows what you need. (laughs) He already knows what you need. Look at verse 32 and 33. The pagans run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows already that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God knows everything that you need better than than even you know it, better than even I know it. God, he's not sitting on his throne wondering to himself, "I, I, I wonder what Justin needs. He already knows. I already shared with you how I was feeling so weary on on Wednesday night. God already knew that I'd get caught up in my own thoughts. Before the foundations of the world, before the foundations of time, he knew that there would come a day in which Justin would rely on his own strength, that I'd get caught up in my own thoughts, that I would recognize finally on Wednesday night that that I need to give this over to God because he's in control. He already knows what I need. And not only that, he longs to supply what I need. That's verse 33. And let me tell you about the God we serve. Perhaps there was a night this week where where you were totally overwhelmed. You you couldn't sleep. Uh, You were watching the news. You were were tired. You were afraid. You wanted to go to bed and rest, but, but you couldn't get to sleep. Here's the thing. God doesn't rest. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't run out of energy. He doesn't run out of hope. Unlike your local Costco, his supply does not run out. Unlike the toilet paper aisle, his supply does not run out. He will always supply for your needs. He will always give you what you need in his time. And that leads to my final point that we find in this passage that God supplies for what you need today. God supplies for what you need today. One more time, look at verse 34. Jesus says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. These, these words are so life-changing when you suddenly realize what it means. Let's just meditate on this for a moment. Who among us knows what tomorrow will bring? Do you have a crystal ball? Uh, Do you know what's gonna happen tomorrow or the next day or next week or next month? Does any of us know really what's going to happen? We can't, we don't, but God does. And so for many of us, that's what leads to our anxiety. We're we're thinking about, oh no, what's going to happen? What about tomorrow? What about next week? What about next month? And God says, my grace and my mercy is sufficient for you today. I'll have new mercies for you tomorrow, but I have enough mercy for you today. Rest in that today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says this to Christians. He says, grieve but don't grieve as those without hope. And, and what we see here is that Jesus, he, he's kind of giving us two opposing, contrasting mistakes that, that we can make when it comes to uh, the trials and the tribulations in our life. In the face of suffering, in the face of worry and anxiety and fear, on the one hand, we can try to avoid grief. 
We can try to pacify the pain. We can try to kind of hide from it and act as though it's not really there. But on the other side, we can be so totally and completely overwhelmed by it that we lose track of the providence and the plan of God. We lose track of the sovereignty of God, the trustworthiness of God. And so Jesus, he says, don't fall into either of those, those two categories. The mark of a Christian is someone who grieves, but they don't grieve as those who have no hope. See, the Bible says that the love and the hope of God works in our lives in such a way that Christians are deeply involved in the grief of the world. If you have friends or family members or coworkers or, or neighbors who are grieving right now, you don't try to pacify the pain. You don't try to throw a wet blanket over top. You enter into the brokenness with them. You grieve with them. But you don't grieve as someone who has no hope. No, there is an, an infusion of hope and recognition that the God that you serve is sovereign over all things and he is trustworthy and he loves you eternally and he has your best intentions in heart. See, the more we know the character and the attributes of God, the more we begin to trust in him and to follow him, even in the midst of the valleys of life even in the midst of the questions that we're, they're grappling with. And so I'm, I'm looking through the camera lens right now at, at a wave of people who in all likelihood have been dealing with a whole lot of anxiety and worry and stress. And they're looking for solace to their pain. And I want to give you a good word, not my word, but God's word, which highlights to us that we serve a God who is totally and completely in control, that he loves us infinitely, that we are infinitely precious to him, and that he will never stop in caring for us. So how do you have peace in times of trouble? You cast your fears, your worries, your anxieties on him. You, you give everything to him. And it's only when we have a clear picture of the loving father that we serve in all of his strength, in all of his trustworthiness, in all of his faithfulness, in all of his love, will we have the capacity to put our trust in him in the midst of the circumstances that we face. So dear Christian, Put your trust in God. His mercies are renewed every morning. We have enough to worry about today. God will give you enough mercy today and that mercy will be renewed tomorrow. Put your hope in him. Put your trust in him in the midst of the circumstances that we face. Let's pray. Our Holy Father and our God, we thank you that you are in control we ask that you would take hold of our hearts and that we would recognize more fully today than we've ever known before that you are in control, you are sovereign, and you care deeply for us as your people. Help us to remember that not only today, but in the days and the weeks to come. Help us also to be a beacon of hope to those who are hopeless, those who are wondering what is going on we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would be and abide with us all. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. People of God, in the midst of the uncertainties that lie ahead, in the days and the weeks and the months that lie ahead, know that the Lord goes before you in these words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you his peace this day and every day and all God's people all around, wherever you are, say together, amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.